I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Very far away. And it's time for episode number 361 of Video Games Hot Dog. Kevin, we miss you. You do. Australia. I am in Australia. Australia is uh, another name for his house here in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) He's recording from home. He did always give his houses silly names. That's true. Brambleberry Manor. Yeah. And the Poetic Justice League. And yep. what else, Kevin? Uh, what else? Uh, Sparkle Motion. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of the other ones. That's not even like a, the name of a place. That's my objection to that. Well, but uh, it, it's a it could be a collection of people, right? It had less to do with the the physical instantiation of the place and the fact that it was a a group of like minded individuals. And if you did something, I see. So in the in the latter case. It's more that you're behaving in a brambleberry manner than living in one. <laughs> right. You're in a brambleberry frame of mind. How's your yeah. trip so far, buddy? Uh, okay. I've mostly been dealing with logistics, right? So, like, we there's this long flight, and then you land, and then you're exhausted. Uh, and then we we're just making plans for the coming week. And then I was also spent most of today making plans for the coming month. Uh so yeah, I, I wandered around uh, Melbourne for a couple hours yesterday uh, and had a lovely dinner and a glass of wine like on the river, which was nice. And then um, I was going to go to the um, Victoria Market, like they have like a night market thing on Wednesday nights, but I was exhausted. It was like 8 p.m. and I just could not stay awake any longer. So I, I crashed. Still finding your upside down legs? Yeah, uh, yeah. I did the I did the State Department trick thing of like fasting for what was it twelve hours I guess before, uh, what would be yeah. breakfast, and then I ate breakfast at the normal time, and then I just stayed up as long as I could, um, and so yeah, and then I slept like ten hours, and I woke up, and I I feel like I I probably am already adjusted. I'm not gonna have any jet lag. I don't know. It seems reasonable. I hear there are bats. Have you seen any bats? I have not seen bats yet, but I have been promised bats. So, yes. There's cool. apparently also spiders, promised. and those I'm fine with seeing not any seeing. bats there. Oh. Um, yeah. The, 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 hopefully the bats eat the spiders. That would be great. I think the spiders are bigger than the bats. Mm. <laughs> in some cases, probably. Not in my head, Canon. They have really and big bats, If I bats never go to too, Australia, so. I'll never have to change my mind. It's probably like there's small spiders and then the small bats eat those and then the large bats eat the small bats and then they have larger bats to eat oh the i thought you were gonna spiders. say slightly larger spiders eat the small bats and then slightly larger bats eat those spiders right. and so on yeah i i don't know how many old uh, how many rungs all. there are in that ladder yeah um well I can't wait for future shows when you've done more stuff in Australia and you can regale us with tales of your travel and adventure. Yeah, I probably won't be on next week's show if we record at the regular time because I'll be out doing stuff, petting petting wombats Ooh. and feeding uh, echidnas or whatever is our is our current plan. So we're gonna... feeding dingoes a baby. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go <laughs> oh, oh, is there like a dingo reserve. petting zoo and they have those little vetting machines for pellets, except they're full of babies? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, this isn't. It's not funny anymore. The, <laughs> I mean, it probably was never funny. <laughs> no, it was because it was a, what, a band. What have you been up to, Riff? What there was a band named Dingoes Ain't My Baby. Wasn't Is that there? what you said? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, 
Anyway, yeah, what have you been up to? Um, I mean, it was based on a real story. There was like a court case where a woman was accused of murdering her own baby, but she was like, dingoes ate it, and then it turned out to be true years later. Oh, shit. Did she go to prison, though? I don't remember. She didn't seem too bothered by the whole thing in the clips that I saw. And I guess if you're in Australia, it's like, well, the world is trying to kill me and my loved ones all the time. It's just where we live. Well, I, I think like that's a recurring theme in people grieving on TV don't really look like they're grieving. Hmm. I think that's a a pretty common uh, thing to have observed in people who who just who Are... suspiciously may or may not have killed their own child. Hmm. That category of people. What have you been up to, Riff? Uh, I mean, not much. It hasn't been a whole week since the last time we recorded, and mostly I've just been working. Um, oh, yeah. Me too. But uh, you were supposed to have an interesting story. Yeah, Didn't sorry. you play any fun board games? Uh, no, we're going to be starting playing, uh, 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 I want, I almost said Behemoth. What is, Betrayal. Uh, Betrayal Legacy, but that won't be starting till like, week after next, um, we do you should like, talk about how you like anticipate that game, game being. Brunch. Say again? <laughs> you, you should talk about how you anticipate that game feeling like to play. Oh, I I think it will be cool and good with many surprises and uh, okay. and, and spooky challenges. Okay. I'm about halfway done uh, making the map of the Betrayal Legacy campaign that I threatened to make oh, on yeah? our last show. Um, like a, a map, like a physical layout of something? Well, or like a... do you consider a Word document to be a physical layout? If it <laughs> describes a realm. Okay. Do you, consider, do you consider a binary tree of outcomes to be a realm? No, but it might be an interesting map. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's an outline. Uh, All right. With, That's uh, good enough for me. You know, with the chapters and which haunts are possible and what that and what each of the possible outcomes to those haunts does to the game state. Okay. Um, so are, are you like, like sort of reading thing through I'll the... I'll never read because I might want to play it someday. Are you like reading through the situations that you didn't get? Yeah. So so do you, do you feel like do you feel like you you got a good set? Did you uh, yes. Uh, there was one in particular thematically that I was very, very happy that we got. And I was hoping that that one was a foregone conclusion because it was so good. Um, there were some others. There were some where the haunts that we didn't get seemed a little bit more interesting than, than the ones that we did, uh, you know, which is inevitable. I'm well, I mean, I don't really want to spoil anything for Riff, but yeah. I, I guess the one observation, the one sort of non-spoilery observation that I have is that there are, there's less branching than I expected there to be. Hmm. Like, it seemed like there were a lot of cards that we threw away instead of putting in the game, but, like, there, I guess, aren't really that many. Huh. It just seems like a lot. It's just a design trick to make you think, like, there are more, more choices you're making than you do, actually were. Yep. Every once in a while, they will just have you, like, remove something from this other... This There's, like, a deck of things that might go into the game. And every once in a while, they'll have you go through and destroy some stuff from it. And mm. I don't really know why, other than to make you feel like something is changing. It's final mm. now. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it's neat, I guess. But it's, like, kind of unnecessary bookkeeping. 
Anyway, look forward to that uh, document being posted. I was kind of wondering, like, whether Rob Davio would be sad about that being published. Hmm. Like, oh, I don't just, know. Just like a hundred percent. I don't know spoiler. what the. Yeah. Huh. Like, I don't know what the market is for being interested in looking at this document. You know, I don't think that it's going to, like, I don't think somebody who cares whether they ruin the game for themselves would look at it and ruin the game for themselves and then be grouchy. Do you think he would be in He's on Twitter. You could DCA? ask him. Right? Like, by, by de- decompiling the board you, game? Kevin. Do you think he'd be in violation of the DMCA by, by uh, decompiling the board game? Breaking its <laughs> copy protections. O- only if I'm listening to a Prince song while I do it. I see. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I like, but I guess the other thing is like I don't know whether the mystery is being spoiled for me by knowing what all of the possible outcomes were, and whether like you know after the fact, and whether the mystery would be spoiled for somebody else after the fact by knowing how things could have gone. Hmm. Not spoiling like story stuff, really. I'm just doing a very like this event, this event card goes in, this event card goes away, like this, you know. Right. Yeah, there's definitely something about, and this is like kind of something that the internet does all the time, where if you want to know how the internals of how something works, you can pretty much always find out, and thus kind of just by that fact being true, I'll pretty much nothing can be mysterious anymore um and so like in a sense you're kind of if if there are there are a few things where that's not true yet because no one's bothered to actually do it and in a sense you're kind of removing the the aura of mystery from that work by posting uh the information online uh that said i think it's a really interesting design document, probably. Did you do some research to see if somebody had done this before? I did, yeah. And it didn't... There's very few Google results on this. Okay. Which I I attributed it to, I guess, it being kind of new and kind of niche. And also, like, people don't really make game facts Hmm. or wiki-type stuff the way that they used to. And especially Which not for board bummer, games, right? Yeah. To me. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, board I guess. games. Geek. I'm curious whether there's like, there was definitely nothing there that I saw. Okay. Um, it does, it's just, it's weird how, and I don't really know what to attribute this to. Like, being on the internet, producing content on the internet stopped requiring you to have a web page, right? And it just became like record a video and upload it to YouTube. And that became easier for normal people than publishing text on the internet. You could, I guess you could publish your walkthrough as a medium article. Oh God. That's true. (laughs) You like game facts just dries up for modern games. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's the rare modern game that has anything useful there. And it's, I mean, do you think that, all right, there were fewer games and more nerds with a bunch of time on their hands in 2002 than there are now. There are more games, and if a nerd has time on his hands, he can just play one of the infinite number of other games that he has access to for free or for very little money instead of doing a deep dive on a particular game. Yeah. 
But I don't know, man. I like it always seemed to me like only one out of every million people who played Super Mario World was gonna write a fucking game facts. Well, yeah, about it. I, I think the and that doesn't seem to have changed. There are so many walkthroughs for games on YouTube now that like those nerds still have a bunch of time on their hands. Except those are terrible and not useful but to they anyone. Still, they still take a bunch of time and effort to make. I mean, a lot of game facts were also terrible and not useful to anyone. So, could an AI sure? But at least you could search. At least you could search for the name of the level that you were stuck yeah. on. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Could, right? could we yeah. get like some sort of AI to like watch all of the the playthroughs and and guides and stuff, and to generate a text document that was useful and interesting? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to be the grouchy guy that just, like, laments when the web had stuff to read on it, uh, but... Wasn't there a a recent, um, I think it was a court document that revealed that the, the Facebook video view data that everybody sh- pivoted to video because of oh, yeah. turned out to be uh, grossly overestimated? Yeah. Like, people just weren't watching videos anywhere near the rate reported. And yeah. so, like, it turns out, like, people want to read text. And I hope people, I hope, like, we can get text back. That would that be said, cool. People do watch the fuck out of YouTube. Like, there's a lot of people watching a lot That's of true. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder to what extent it's a generational thing. It just it it strikes me as difficult to believe that even a ten year old who wants to know how to get past a particular puzzle in a particular brand new video game wants to scrub through twenty five hours. Oh, of I, video I think the ten year old doesn't know any other ever. way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I it's watch a fuckload of YouTube, but definitely not for that purpose. Whenever I want to know something about, I don't know, a tool or a a way of finishing wood or something, the answer is almost never in, like, a guide. The answer is almost always in people talking on message boards somewhere Mm -hmm. in a way that's Google indexed, which is fine because I'm generally looking for things that are out of the way enough that they're not just, say, mostly spam bot trash like Amazon reviews or... I I have found that most of the how-to information on the internet is now in video form and it's infuriating and there's tons of really useful stuff there but you have to like get through all the bullshit and there's no way to search it yeah yeah you have to become Often, though, you have to become real good at scrubbing through a video and spotting the the frame that looks like it has the good content in it right Hey guys, what we're going to be doing in this video is spending about 45 minutes answering a one-sentence question. Right. <laughs> now, here, let me start it out right, with right. my 15-second talked... video sting. That <laughs> We talked at dinner about how we don't want to become curmudgeons, yeah. so we're, we're well on our way. I mean, it, one thing that helps is that as I get older, I have less of a pressing need to like look up shit about video games. Because oh, I'm like, yeah. you know, I could just not play this anymore. <laughs> now that I'm stuck, I could just give up. It's smart, yeah. Um, it's getting so I've 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 run into this in a couple of different I've run into two different weird problems that are related problems. And I don't know, like Riff, when you played Subnautica, maybe you ran into this too, but like I've been playing Astroneer and looking up stuff about Astroneer, there is a lot of wiki 
content for mm-hmm. Astroneer for some reason, right? I mean, I think just because it was a wildly popular game that had a bunch of like Minecraft style stuff going on in it, but so much of it is about older versions of the game oh. that it's kind of impossible to to like know whether an answer is correct oh. or not. Yeah, yeah. Subnautica had a little bit of it, but of that, but it tended to be. Like the the who the people that were running that particular wiki were pretty good about marking things as no longer applicable whenever they were. Yeah. Hmm. One advantage of message board posts is they usually have a date on them. Yeah, I really wish that it, when you put a year in a Google search, that it would limit results to that year. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm sure there's some incantation that you can use to do it, but like I've been really finding this googling stuff about the old republic because it is so old and so many things have changed about it in the intervening years that it's like yeah. almost always the first Google result is something from like 2015 or something and it's not. So you it's want no longer applicable. The new the, the old republic. Yes. <laughs> um what have you been up to, Jim? So I watched uh, April and I watched a series on Netflix called Russian Doll. Yeah. Oh yeah, I heard which about is, that. Uh, kind of a Groundhog Day type thing where the protagonist keeps dying and restarting the same timeline. Um, and I was I was really impressed. It's like doing a lot of the same stuff that Bandersnatch did in terms of like addressing branching reality, um, but it's really. I think it does more interesting stuff with it, although it doesn't have the the user choice uh, aspect to it, of course. Uh, I think the the dialogue is really like surprisingly sharp. Like I was really um, impressed with the with the comedy writing specifically, um, and it actually like has an ending that's like it's it's really impossible to to end a story like that in a sensible way, but I feel like they came close. So, do you feel like Groundhog Day had a sensible ending? Uh, ish, yeah. I think yeah. it also came close. How about um, Run Lola Run? Huh. I don't remember how that ended. I think uh, everything just works out. Yeah, okay. the, she ends up getting like the good timeline. But that's usually when they stop the so like, is there right? Like it's all, it's always breaking the cycle through some some virtuous act or something, right? Like, you know, if Bill Murray had really, so they, they had said in a couple of interviews that internally they were like, uh, let's just say that he does this for 10,000 years. Like Bill Murray has been repeating for 10,000 years. So like, he's super happy that he finally gets to go live the rest of his life with Andy McDowell. But the rest of his life is like, the blink of an eye in his perception <laughs> because of how old he is. Yeah. And that's, that seems to kind of suck. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think as depicted in the movie, it feels more like a couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably the right move. Yeah. Um, Although like, I don't know if it's possible to develop all those skills that he yeah. did in a couple of months. I don't think that's a thing. Also to remember that, right? Like if you became really good at playing the piano, yeah, but then you just forgot to practice for like five hundred years. It's <laughs> like you just have to learn again. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really curious, like what happens if if and this this question might not even make biological sense, but assuming a human remains at 
healthy peak condition, like, does your brain get full? Like, do you start, like, mm. dropping things that are less important or just less important details? Mm. Yeah, do you drop things? I mean, like, you know, you... It's weird thinking about memory, right? Because you definitely form long-term memories that are there, and then they sort of go dormant, yeah. right? Like, every once in a while, you'll remember something that you hadn't thought about in 30 years, and that's always a very weird feeling. Yeah, uh-huh. But... Like, would it eventually go away? Like, is there stuff? Do we forget things long term that are actually gone, or do do we just lose the immediacy of recall to them? We, yeah, we and change also, things like, as we did, remember did, them, though, right? Like, it's it's the memory is not some sort of constant. Yeah, that's a thing. Accessing. Yeah, the um, I think the the prevailing theory that I keep hearing is that every time you remember something, the next time you it it gets changed slightly. The next time you remember it you're actually remembering your previous memory of it and so it gets corrupted over time oh wow so it's like a it's like a time machine on a mac where even remembering things <laughs> creates additional storage requirements <laughs> hmm. it's also possible that your brain gets full basically when you hit 20 or so and that's when you stop being able to to learn new things as effectively also if his body is remaining constant across the cycles right. like if he doesn't eat well, eventually he gets to the point where he just Im instantly dies of a heart attack as soon as he wakes up, <laughs> right? Because he's just fucked himself up so bad. That would be rough. What Trying if... to get in just a little bit of exercise as your consciousness fades every time the day starts. <laughs> what if, like, we we see him wake up the next morning and, and we know it's a new day because of, you know, the, the different radio show and different stuff that happens that day. But what if he repeats that day too, until he gets that day, right? Oh yeah. That's the And then the day after that, the, he repeats oh, that day until he gets that day, day right. Mm. Mm. No, but the, the, the second day is like the day when you're newly in love with somebody. So that's actually a much better day to repeat. Are you, or is it somebody that you've like, been in the beginning of a relationship with for like fucking thousands of years. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like from your point of view, from her point of view, it's brand new. That's not fucked up at all. Yeah. Uh so did they make one season of Russian Doll and it's just over? Uh they made eight half hour episodes and it felt like a complete story. So I don't know if they're gonna do another season, but if they do, they're gonna have to figure out something else to do with it there was a you uh, it though? yeah i really liked it there was a groundhog day video game announced recently too yeah some vr thing where you're phil connor's son yeah imagine a, a video game where you keep doing the same thing over and over again until you get it right <laughs> oh you mean a video game <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um the protagonists of bandersnatch and russian dollar both game developers because of course, mm. these are movies about video game themes. It's cool now. It's cool to be a game developer now. Yeah, that too. Glad reality finally caught up with our understanding of it. <laughs> We've known it was cool. Black Mirror's done video game stuff uh, a couple times, right, at this point? It's not just the, yeah. the one. Yeah, I think the the creator was like the editor of a gaming magazine first. Mm. I could be wrong. Yeah, he was Charlie Brooker was Games Press in the '80s, as I understand it. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Cool. Uh, so, speaking of game developers, should we talk about video games that we've played that were made by game developers? 
I think we should talk about games that weren't made by game developers. Ooh, so like outsider art. Yeah, I would. We should have an all outsider art episode. But once you make a game, you're a game developer. Nope. That's the problem. Not if you're an outsider. <laughs> okay. So like a painting that was made by somebody who wasn't a painter. And never painted. Okay. <laughs> it's, let's talk about video games. It's fine. Wesley I've changed my mind. <laughs> what'd you play? What'd you play? You never this... sung a note riff. What did you play this week, Jim? Um, so uh, I, I dug a little bit into the, the Spectrum lineup. Into like I was looking at um, every, like top ten lists of ZX Spectrum games, um, and there's not a whole lot there that's super notable. A lot of it is just like this is just what gaming on the Apple II was like, pretty much. Um, I played uh, Chucky Egg, which is a <laughs> one of the early hits, and it's a totally uh, like a totally acceptable Donkey Kong like single screen platformer. Um, oh, pretty much nothing to say about it, except that like yeah, this is like if this is the first competent arcade game that you find for. That that exists for your for your platform, it's going to be a hit. Like that's a. Uh, Why is it called Chucky Egg? Uh, it's I'm not sure about the Chucky part, but like I think you're playing a farmer in a load runner like level, collecting eggs off the ground, and your your enemies are birds, like ostriches. Huh. So you're the villain. Um. Uh, the cover of the game depicts you about to crush the egg, but the manual says you're picking them up, you're harvesting them. Hmm. So, yes, you're the villain. Um, there, go on. What do you think, Load Runner? What was Load Runner about? <laughs> um, there's gold, right? Okay, so like a load, right? And you're running. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Do you refer to? Like, do you think it's? Do you on... refer to anyone involved in the process of mining a load of gold as a load runner? <laughs> I think you might. Mm. Is it, you think it's a mine? Do you think the the level depicts a it mine? Look like a mine. It always looked like a a building under construction. Maybe right. they fucked up and they so they were building a skyscraper and they realized that a mistake had been made and they had some of the I beams they had used gold instead of steel. Right. And so you're trying to prevent the. Uh, the building from collapsing because because jet, jet fuel, fuel can yes. melt gold. <laughs> uh, wow, Riff was trying to beat you to the choke. <laughs> it's good. Um, I feel like a lot of early games, and this is especially true on the Spectrum, are not trying to depict a literal space. So, like the modern um, analog that that I think is inspired by that that like visual ethos uh that probably most most of you and most of our listeners are likely to have played is vvvvvv right uh which is a game that like is clearly visually inspired by the spectrum style any given sprite is monochromatic but they're different colors right and any given sprite is like just a nonsense like okay this one's a boxing glove and that's your enemy this room you know like and uh, not contextualized in any sensible way. Did they just and I think that's really fun. Like I, I actually pre predefined sprites that you had to use for games, and you couldn't make your own, so you had to pick the one that 
was sort of vaguely appropriate. Like it, it, it's like that, but no, they actually just drew the boxing glove. You don't think there was, like, a, bo- there was a boxing glove in the BIOS of the ZX Spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> it just pops out a hat. If only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Um, but no, they just, like, f- for whatever reason, a lot of games uh, um, on that system just happen to have really um, abstract ecologies where there isn't really a setting. It's interesting, like looking at Hero Core, that is a very well-developed space and ecology in an even lower res, lower fidelity. Uh... I'm not familiar with that one. We played it as an assignment, but it might have been before you came on the show. It's yeah. it's um it's like a one color Metroidvania. Huh. It's very good. When from when? Five six years ago. Okay. That. Maybe maybe longer, huh. uh, but uh, it's weird because it kind of demonstrates that like well, you could have made this game on the ZX Spectrum probably. Right, right. I mean maybe not. You might have not. You might not have been able to have as many bullets on the screen at the same time or whatever. But uh, right. But it was it was really just a lack of advancement of aesthetics of games that you know. I yeah. Know. And I mean I guess it was because you know I don't know if the person that made hero core hired a visual artist or just happened to like if programming got easy enough that somebody who was already a good visual artist could easily learn to program well enough to make a game and so now you could have games with like good artists right on them whereas in the zx spectrum era maybe they didn't bother right one person just made the game and it looked like what it looked like because gameplay was king terrible no. low frame rate no the, the sluggish gameplay the zx spectrum users were total graphics horrors that's a that's a thing hmm. you can um if you look at um I, I i don't know where i'm going with this if you you can find on youtube like best looking spectrum games videos and some of them look pretty decent like and clearly like artists worked very hard on making it look good so like a lot of these games, um, and part of what I was trying to figure out is like, are, do do these games? Do any of them have like lasting cultural value as like games that you can replay now and are worth playing? Like a lot of these games were made, maybe most of them in like a month or two, and I think that's true of NES games as well. Um, but then you have something like Super Mario Brothers Three, which was some more like a year of development time. Like and they actually iterated on ideas and play tested, which Wait. like was kind of a. But wasn't that the one that was a different game entirely before it was reskinned as a Mario game though? Mario that was two. Brothers Two was yeah, was a uh, um was a different game first, but like I I bet that one had a decent development time too. Huh. Okay. Um, they just did uh, Watch Out for Fireballs about Super Mario Brothers 2 where they dig into more of the story of how it uh, came to be, and it was interesting. I don't remember enough of it to talk about it, but listen to our friends Gary and Cole uh, on Watch Out for Fireballs. Yeah, it's good stuff. Their show on the Duckfeed Network. Um, so a, lot, a lot of these games are made in like two months, and they feel like mm. like jam games in, in gameplay scope. They feel like the sort of thing you might do a modern programmer using modern tools might do in like a weekend uh but hmm. that's not the case for the art the art like making pixel art back then wasn't that much more laborious than making pixel art now so they actually do have like a two-month dev cycle means you have two months worth of art in the game hmm. 
And so like the gameplay was either very simple or very unpolished, but um, in a lot of cases, the art was actually pretty solid. Really lovingly rendered context-free boxing gloves. <laughs> right. Maybe there was a mouse inside the boxing glove. <laughs> I, uh, th- maybe there was a mouse inside the ostrich in Chucky Egg. <laughs> Every game is just about mice. Um, and I played, um, I, I replayed uh, Lara Croft Go, and I played the bonus levels, which I had tried playing like, when they were released, there was a, there were two or three extra sets of levels that were released like the next year, maybe. And I tried playing them by themselves and I just like wasn't in the right mind state to play them, not having had just played the rest of the game. Um, and so I recently I just went I just went and did th- through the whole main campaign and then I played the bonus levels and the bonus levels are really good. They're like really solid, like both thematically and mechanically, like both really interesting. So if you haven't, if you haven't gone back to that game, it might be worth going back to. Um, And then I loaded up Deus Ex Go, um, which also was patched like a year after release to do things like, and this is something that I feel like the whole Go series is really needed badly is you can, you can, now you can undo a turn. Oh, nice. Like the, if the interesting part of that game is solving the puzzle, then the interesting part is not like perfectly executing the solution. And if you screw it up, you have to restart and do the whole thing over again. Um, but you have a limited number of undos and then you have to buy more. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Um, and that would be one thing if like it were a free game, but you also like pay like $3 to anyway. Uh, and Deus Ex Go, like, is also, like, kind of a mess. Um, I, found... I remember bouncing off of it relative to Lara Croft Go. It just seemed, it felt way less coherent. Yeah, that that's what I was going to talk about. Like, that, it, it it is much less clear what each thing, like, what each gameplay element does. Um, and that was a danger in Lara Croft Go because they, they like, Hitman Go... Uh, the previous game in the series was much more like board game like, and yeah. Yeah. that was something um, I really it was liked almost about played... it was that style. Yeah, yeah, it was a good style. Um, and but like the fact that it, everything was very uh, iconic in the sense of looking like an icon as opposed to looking like a, a representative object. Um, and so like everything read really cleanly, and they actually did a really good job maintaining that in Lara Croft Go, despite like suddenly everything's animated and the the environments are much more visually lush and i thought they did a really good job with that and then 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 they didn't do a really good job with that with Deus Ex Go is i think what's happening it's kind of hard though because like necessarily a sci-fi thing is going to read as more confusing than a like imperialist jungle adventure that thing. may yeah <laughs> that might be true right the the interactions are not going to be as like clear just on a conceptual level Maybe, but also that then you have the advantage of like I think Deus Ex has a very clean visual style. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what factors lead into that. 
as I recall, like I found Hitman Go very, very confusing. Like I never understood just the basic verb set of oh, it. Oh, interesting. So I was okay. At it. And uh, Deus Ex Go gave me a little bit of that feeling. Mm-hmm. It was just like. Mm. Oh, but you thought Lara Croft Go was readable? Yeah, very, very. That's very interesting. Yeah, Hitman, I. I'm I'm really curious, like what the, the, it, your actual interaction with the game is so simple that, that I'm not even sure what would what could you could be confused by, but maybe I'm misremembering it. Well, I mean, you were supposed to be able to predict what the guys were going to do and oh, influence sure. in in some way, and I just had I like there was just something about the visual language of it that I wasn't reading and that wasn't like communicated in simple enough words. Oh, maybe yeah, for my idiot brain to understand them in the tutorial. Yeah, that might be all it is. Uh, and I played um, The Eternal Castle. Um, is, is this a game you guys have heard of? Is yeah. that the one that is like a supposedly a remaster of a game that never existed? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the, the conceit. Um, I know nothing about it, though. What is it like? So it's uh, it plays like um, it plays like another world where you're you're running around with a kind of a lushly animated main character and you can one of the items you can pick up is a pistol and you have like a surprisingly um surprisingly diverse things you can list of things you can do with the pistol like you can point it without firing um uh it is visually represented as in cga which is in it's it's i would say it's an extremely ugly game like it looks like a lot of the art is done by um down resing like uh like they started out with uh with a background image with more colors and then they in photoshop told photoshop to quantize it down to cga colors um it looks better in motion like a lot better in motion but like the the backgrounds are like ugly to the point that it seems like it must be trying to serve some artistic purpose that I can't perceive. Hmm. Um, but the audio is full, like just MP3s and samples, like full full digital music and um, and no like no no attempt to re- replicate the PC speaker sounds. Uh, but it's um. In terms of like what you run around in the world doing, um, it's it's very much like it feels a lot like it's a maybe a sequel to another world. Um, they didn't quite nail the not having any text in it, which is a shame. I feel like they were almost there, mm. but um, I think they wanted to do some storytelling that they couldn't do purely visually. Uh, but one thing that it differs from considerably uh, from another world is that um, it's not very difficult which is kind of like it's it's a modern it's a game for a modern audience so like that's kind of kind of necessary like but they have a, a combat system in there that like I haven't really been able to figure out how it works because uh, you know, you run in and you're trying to fight things and you kind of just jam on button. Like, I, like the, the, the combat is over before I figure out what I'm doing, hmm. um, which like is not a it's not really a problem. Like I'm not in I'm not playing this game for the 
for the fight sequences, but it is kind but of you're like... You're also not playing it to see the realms because they're terrible. <laughs> right. Uh, but it is like... Um, it is still interesting. It is still like... Uh, like the... It, it might be a, an, an exercise in the imagination because like the the terrible CGA graphics do kind of hint at like you can kind of imagine what this world would look like if it didn't look terrible. Like, I think that's, I think maybe that's what they were going for. Uh, but like maybe a better way to do that would have been with, um, the kind of graphics that games like that tended to actually have, which is like tile based fix, like pixel art where an artist like actually chose what pixel would go where. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not certain what kind of audience it has with that art style. That gameplay style feels a little weird. I mean, I guess a lot of people have fond memories of Out of This World and Another World. It's it's very or like the same game, or is one the same? It's the it's the same game. Okay, it's with a. I I like Another World. Like it was called Out of This World in the United in the United States, but I like Another World better as a title. Yeah, so that's, that's what I call it. Um, it's. It, it feels a lot like an adventure game with a platformer interface. Yeah. And so does this. Is that also kind of what the Oddworld games are like? I think the Oddworld games are all different. Oh. Um, there was one of them. I think the first one was a... Um, it's got the the animation commitment of, of, of a Prince of Persia. Like you push, you move right, and then you're stuck not being able to do anything until the dude like takes a full step mm. but it's a um a puzzle platformer like uh if i remember right like you you're going through a sequence of um a sequence of rooms that are each each like a one screen puzzle mm. is that not kind of what another world is though um I, but by a puzzle platformer i mean like more like uh like a chips challenge where you're introduced to a set of mechanics that get reused throughout the game. Another world is where everything is kind of like a bespoke adventure game puzzle. Okay. Is the distinction I'm making there. Hmm. Anything else? Uh, that's that's all I'm ready to talk about, yeah. What about you, Kevin? You had any time? Uh not particular i've i've played a, a few things that i've been playing for a while i played some more into the breach um playing through that on the switch uh, i've uh i guess i've unlocked seven squads but i haven't played most of them i've just been sort of for each squad i'm doing the two three four victory and all their little achievements um so just sort of plugging my way through there um i guess i'm on the third or fourth squad at this point i like how differently they all play um it's amazing how much... How is of, that game on the Switch? It's pretty good. Uh, like, you have to select things with sort of a mouse-like pointer that you move around with the joystick, which is not awesome. You can, I think you can select things faster with a, with a button, sort of cycle through the available options. Um, but I've just been do, using the pointer, and it's, it's fine. Um, it, sort of, it sort of smartly selects things that are near, the, near where it is if there's no ambiguity, that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty well um, handled. Every now and then I'll hit a button wrong and do something that I didn't want to do, but the I've never had that happen when I didn't still have my undo available. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just great. It's it's 
it's super, super, super good. Um, yeah, that's I and I just haven't played anything since I landed at all. So we'll take advantage of being in another country, in another hemisphere, another continent by sitting inside a room playing video games all day. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> what about you, Riff? Uh, not really much of anything. Um, I watched a lot of different people play the Resident Evil 2 remake. Huh. Like, did YouTube, they each YouTube? provide like a or? new? Yeah, and like did they each provide like interesting new context to it? Um, they all kind of have slightly different play styles. So, like, I've been watching a super great friend play it, and I've been watching uh, our podcast buddy Cole Ross play it on uh, on Twitch. Uh, and so, so like, super great friend. I just like his style of of video and and his sense of humor a lot. So those are fun. And then uh, watch. I've been watching Cole on live streams, so I get to to chat and so on. And so that's a different experience. And and then I've also been watching uh, Abby Russell from Giant Bomb play it. And so that's a that's also a slightly different experience because she's also playing it with like three or four other guys in the room commenting on on the stuff that's going on. Um, oh, and just generally, it's 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 a slightly because it, it's got enough randomness in the game that it's a it's it's a slightly different experience for each player. And so seeing what I get the the differences aren't huge, but like they'll get they'll get caught by Mr. X in different situations and different places and, and be surprised by different things. And so that's interesting. Is Mr. X like pyramid head? Yeah. Well, even more so because pyramid head, uh, did not, um, did not wander around dynamically. He was a set piece. Uh, whereas oh. once, once Mr. X appears in the game, he sort of, he, he has like AI and will chase you throughout the levels. Uh, that's cool. In, in, until the set from, piece where he leaves. Evil? No, it's from Silent Hill Two. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he that's he the, like that's uh, the game I've played that's closest to this. So mm. he he like is attracted to noise. So if he's only a few rooms away from you and doesn't know where you are, but you shoot a zombie, he will start coming. So for it's you it's and... more like it's more like uh, oh what what was the game that people Amnesia? It's more like the Amnesia games. Uh, maybe. I don't remember Amnesia very well in that context. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's fine, Riff. I didn't hear a pun. I went to a bar in uh, this neighborhood uh, the other night called Amnesia uh, with friend of the show, Seth Rosen. Uh, had a beer uh, called Fruity Rebels. And I said, I thought I wondered why. I thought to myself... Zach, why is that beer called that? And then when I tasted it, I said, oh, it just tastes like Fruity Pebbles. And it's fucking weird. Huh. I don't know if they did that on purpose or not. Like, I don't imagine that somebody would set out. It doesn't taste like Fruity Pebbles in the way that Fruity Pebbles taste like Fruity Pebbles. It tastes like Fruity Pebbles in the way that certain bathroom air fresheners smell like Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, I was. I thought you were going like, to say it yeah. tastes like Fruity Pebbles in the way that beer tastes like fruity pebbles <laughs> uh, yeah well sort of it wasn't bad uh there was a there was a, a like an open mic bluegrass jam going on anyway that was amnesia that was my amnesia <laughs> experience <laughs> i i watched um 
the giant bomb quick look. I don't know if it was a quick look, but it was a. Um, they were just playing through all the games on the PlayStation Classic, not not through, like playing like fifteen minutes of each one. Um, and Resident Evil like has a long FMV like yeah. live action yeah, cutscene that... at the beginning that yeah, and like introducing that... all the characters with their their actors doing the the poses. That's hilarious. I love yeah. That. That was really I I've I'd never seen that before. I don't think that's been in the series since then. Which which is a shame because it was definitely my like retroactively that's my favorite part of Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play the Resident Evil 2 remake, but lately most of my discretionary PC gaming time has been at night. And I don't like playing horror games alone mm. in my house at night. Yeah. Like any of any of those things could change, and I would be fine with playing them. <laughs> um, I don't. Know, I mean, yeah, I don't think I would get scared in the office at night. Didn't you get a cat? I did, which that does help, I guess. Or does it? Like the thing I like best about having a cat is that, like, if I hear a weird creak in the house at like while I'm trying uh, to sleep, I can just say, "Oh yeah, it's the cat." You know, yeah, I feel fine. that way, and I feel that way. Even if the cat is in bed with me and I hear something somewhere else, and then I know it's not the cat, I just can convince myself eh, it was the cat. It was a, it was a noise that the cat set up earlier. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe you yep, should like try what? try uh, try playing it, um, but turn on like the Katamari Damacy soundtrack or something while you're playing okay. it. Oh yeah. I was thinking about like selling a product for people who are allergic to cats. Of like, here's a. A device that you put in your closet that just occasionally makes horrible noises. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's that's it's the device I put in my closet. Nice. There you go. So, <laughs> oh, partly... I thought you meant this as a solution to cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like you'd have a guest over and they'd hear like a, something like something scratching at the wall. And he's like, oh, yes, that's that's what I have instead of a cat. <laughs> I my computer is upstairs and it is very close to probably the spookiest part of my house, which is the crawl space, the upstairs crawl space, mm-hmm. which has a door that routinely just pops itself open. Nice. Uh, which is, yeah, Directly it's, opposite it's the just like designed too, right? for, yeah, it's right there. It's like right <laughs> behind me when I'm sitting at the computer. <laughs> wow. Why would you, why would you live in this house? Well... <laughs> I mean, I could just fix the door. Okay, probably. All right. But it's, with, with it's duct tape. It's a thing where if you fix the door, the door the ghosts so get like, angry. I, I could just put like a, I could put a bar on it from the outside, mm-hmm. but then you run the risk of being locked in there by a ghost. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's risky. Um, I guess I could put a bar on it that was that I knew that I could produce enough force to break. You know. Yeah. Well, that means that um, anything that uh, anything that gets out of the attic is going to be at least as strong as you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, right now, I guess maybe like let's say that there's a hellmouth in the in the crawl space. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, there definitely is. So it could be that hell could be sending exploratory forces mm-hmm. out, right? And it's just like imps Ugh, that are so clowns. small that I can't even see them and they can't do anything, mm-hmm. right? If I lock the door, yeah, then it's going to say, mm, well, shit, we need to send bigger things. Right. Whereas now <laughs> they think they're accomplishing their missions. Right. 
right? And and maybe they are. I'm just not noticing. You know, like maybe they're stealing what to them is a lot of my blood, but um, <laughs> but to me, I don't even notice because. Oh man, the idea of mosquitoes is like demons that have been sucking our blood for for eons, but we just don't even think of it as as a big deal because they're just these tiny little insects. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, hell is really standing... tiny. <laughs> maybe maybe to maybe to hell and the demons those those <laughs> mosquitoes are like giant and they're bringing back gallons and gallons of blood. <laughs> but they just got I mean, the scale the time wrong. When there was a puddle in my backyard and I went out there and saw like just millions of squirming mosquito larvae arrayed oh. into a pentagram. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have been continuing to play uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, Now, I'm at like level 35 out of 50 on my Jedi Knight guy at, uh, well, out of 50 for the main introductory storyline. I guess the the content goes up to level 70 now. So you're you're just playing one character class? I thought, for some reason, I thought you were, you had already played through one or two and were like working your way through all of them. I had already i had already played through one i had played the opening parts of almost all of them but i hadn't ever, I like i always gave up once it got slow kind of okay um i activated a subscription just to see what the difference was between the subscribed and unsubscribed experience and you can run dungeons if you're a subscriber which are like the leveling is already absurdly fast the way that i'm playing it but like it running a dungeon you will gain like a couple of levels of experience in like 20 minutes maybe it's bananas it scales everyone to max level numerically and the dungeons are tuned for max level players right which is interesting the only difference is really inexperience and uh, you don't have all of your skills uh, that you would have if you were naturally at that level but um the xp rewards are just bananas uh, and you know, you get gear upgrades and the gear upgrades seem to be just like, we're going to pick a spot. We're going to pick a gear slot for you and give you an upgraded piece. Like we'll give you a piece of gear. That's a little bit better than the one that you've got there. And what it means is a lot of the things that you get are very boring. Like it's just adjective persons grieves or whatever, right? And so for my character class, it's either Bulwark's Greaves or Pummeler's Greaves, and uh, depending on whether you're the DPS or the tank spec. But it's like the adjectives are things like carbon scored hmm. or uh, uh, I don't it ionized. I feel like and it's not like an interesting progression. I feel like they did that sort of like before they had a our writer working at at Blizzard, they just named entire classes of uh of items in World of Warcraft. They named them like things like of the eagle. Yeah. And then they had a different animal for the different stat boosts that it would give you. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's I would argue that a writer did that. Okay, probably I guess. Wait, so. what, what would you call the person like, that made some, those decisions? Someone like, has they, to name all the animals. They had an idea and they attached a word to it. You know? <laughs> so that's fair. I mean there was an animal that's for every fair. Right. So right, because it like World of Warcraft had all of the like auto generated magic items. Right. And then it had named ones that were at the better rarity levels. It's I, I don't really know what, I mean, I just played a bunch of World of Warcraft. I don't really remember. 
I liked it when you could run a dungeon and you'd get a drop that was thematically something that the boss you just killed had. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That seems cool to me. Yeah. But I get how it's hard to balance, uh, but I don't care how hard it is to balance. <laughs> okay. I, like, well, I want I mean, shit to be cool more than I want it to be balanced. Yeah. That's that's generally yeah that's that's why I never play multiplayer game. Well, one of many reasons. <laughs> what are the dungeons? Also, I played something. What are the dungeons like in Star Wars? Like, what is a Star Wars dungeon? They're like the dungeons in World of Warcraft, sort of. Like the they're more kind of story driven. The so I ran two of them yesterday, and one was like, there's a spaceship, and there's a Sith guy who is the boss of the spaceship. And so you fight a bunch of guys and you hack different terminals to get to different segments of the ship. And then you find his Sith sanctum and then you fight him. <laughs> Another one was there's a planet where an AI has gone out of control and is threatening to uh, liberate all of the droids in the galaxy all at once, uh, which means turning them into uh, murderers. <laughs> he's, liber he's liberating them and also programming them to kill all all organic beings, uh, and so you have to, you know, just go through, fight your way to the middle of this facility and and fight a big computer. Droids it has some turrets and some robots treated... that it spawns so that you have something to fight. They're they're treated like slaves to a large extent, right? They're like bought and sold, even though they seem to have free will, as far as I can tell. Yeah, well, there's the concept of the restraining bolt, right, okay. which R2 insists that Luke remove his restraining bolt in theory so that he can show him the message, but it's really so he can sneak off and go find Ben Kenobi. Right. So the restraining bolt seems like it's something. Oh, actually, uh, while we're on this subject, I would like to apologize for a grievous error that I committed in the last podcast. A Bar Queen grievous? Dan is not in... Figrin Dan in the modal nodes. Barqueen Dan was the Bith who played in Max Rebo's band in Return of the Jedi. And you call yourself um, a jizz master. Yeah, I, <laughs> boy, I fucked that up. I fucked that up real bad. I bet they're related. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so their their name is the the name of that race is Bith. I did not uh, look up what the weird sort of bassoon thing they play uh, was called. That's just a bassoon. Could be. Um, it's the one constant throughout the entire universe is a bassoon. It's always called a bassoon. Yes, yeah, that, that's the first thing that every culture invents. <laughs> <laughs> like the inclined plane, the lever, and the bassoon. <laughs> uh, uh Something that I played uh, over the last couple of weeks, just like in between uh, doing stuff at work on my work computer, is a game called When Ski Lifts Go Wrong, which is just a physics construction game, like a bridge builder thing, except you're building ski lifts. Uh, and there are a bunch of different kinds of ski lifts, and there's a bunch of different like environmental things they put in front of you and budget constraints and stuff, and they're just sort of like comically modeling tragic accidents uh is there like a death counter at the bottom of the screen the, well th there's a there's if it gets above zero you have to restart the lot you know it, okay like, it's, yeah you, is there is there a button to nuke all the skiers there's not there's there are then levels where you're also like 
a skier that you're controlling or a snowbird or oh. a snowburger. <laughs> you're a snowburger. <laughs> uh, that that you as a player control once you start the simulation, but you're also like building ramps and stuff. And so there's there's a bunch of it seems pretty well designed. It's fairly easy to complete the levels, but then there's bonus objectives like somebody on your ski lift has to pass through this spot to get this third bonus objective like and it's like a thing that's like this requires you to make a little like riskier design or hmm. make things like just exactly as short as it can be and still clear the trees and stuff like that it's um it's fun it's i mean it's you know it's fun in the way that those bridge building games are always kind of fun like it's it's fun to build something and then watch a van crash into it <laughs> same as in real life um, I, I had been playing this word game on my phone that I thought was called wordography, but it turns out it's just called wordgraphy, which oh. I hate so much. Yeah, that's no good. It's also not a great game. <laughs> um, it's, it's like a magic square thing of words, sort of, except it's not really a magic square. It never gets quite that. It's like, a, say, a five by five grid with either words along the edges or like a eye shape in it made of three five letter words and when you click on a letter it lights up a set of letters that you're allowed to swap it with like there are certain positions certain letters are constrained to certain positions in sets which is kind of what makes it solvable um but it tells you when you get a word right you know that you've locked in those letters correctly. And so it's like not ever particularly hard. And I don't know, like I keep going back to it because it has a daily puzzle, but I don't really enjoy solving the daily puzzle or get anything out of it. And also it's called word graphy. So in fact, I think I'm just <laughs> going to delete it from my phone right now. <laughs> it really bothers me that the name of the game is word graphy. That is an extremely awkward and bad name for a thing. Do you think wordography was already And taken? I really... Maybe. Anyway, Maybe you've been playing the wrong game. game all this time. Could have been. And I wrote down something else that I had played, but I don't. I think it's something that I had already talked about. Oh, but just a bunch more Astroneer. I don't exactly know what I'm trying to do in Astroneer. Like, there's a lot of like things that I can research and build, but the the process of getting earning the research points is kind of tedious like hmm. i'm not finding new places that i'm excited about i'm just kind of like making meters get bigger and like sort of building a base but it's not it's not a cool base like in subnautica I was just and there's say, not like a big story like in subnautica subnautica it's does not a particularly a satisfying base yeah, so building a base in Subnautica is creating a realm and <laughs> and customizing that realm. This is like building a bunch of disconnected nodes. I mean, this is like building a city in an RTS or, or something. Mm. And it, like the systems are cool. They're, they're, every time it occurs to me to try something with like the way that oxygen and energy and stuff works in this game, it works in a way that like, oh, they anticipated this. Like everything is pretty systemically simulated in hmm. the sense that like oh i wonder if i could increase the energy capacity of this rover by attaching a battery to one of its mount points 
And I did. And then I turned on the engine that I had also hooked up to the rover and fed some grass into it, which is what the engine runs on. And it just like filled up the rover and then filled up the battery that was attached to the rover. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. These, it's just like a sort of liquid physics modeling system with power. Um, I'm sad that there isn't some sort of plot. Yeah. Like that felt to me like the thing that was keeping it in early access instead of launching. Cause like right. there, there's no, at no point has the game suggested that I do anything. And it feels very weird. It really feels like there should be something. I mean, I guess maybe my job is to, get off the planet but sure, maybe like, and and maybe maybe there is a plot that you just need to find somehow i mean it's also possible that they decided hey if we don't put any words in this game we won't have to localize it that's mm -hmm. yep that's a thing <laughs> you know there's words there's like the names of the things that you're building i guess if you mouse over a cable it says cable sasser tells you the names of objects that you pick up and stuff but there's no like you don't find like notes from, you know, the previous astronauts whose backpacks you find. When you die, you just leave behind a backpack. So it's like the, that's these are just the corpses of previous astronauts. It's environmental storytelling. There's things that you could research how to build, or you can just go wander around and find them in trash piles, which is interesting. <laughs> like the further away you get, the more sort of advanced machines there are. Just you crashed in the least advanced part of the world. No, I think you just crashed progressively further away from all of the better equipped crashes. Okay. Because <laughs> um, you find a lot of broken versions of stuff that you can eventually build, and then every once in a while, one of them will have, like, a functional piece of technology attached to it that you can then tediously carry back to your base. Yeah, it's weird. Like, Star Wars The Old Republic is still kind of a grindy MMO, even if most of the grind has been removed from it. Like, the distances are great in a way that they would not be if it was a single-player game. They've mostly mitigated that by making fast travel very cheap and accessible, but there's still, like, when you go to see a guy in a palace, the palace is just fucking massive for no reason, right? It, you, you could visually express splendor without realistically modeling the proportions of a giant palace. And they don't because they, you know, a game that needed a player economy in order to function correctly needed there to be a cost associated with the acquisition of resources. And that cost was time. That's to put it charitably. I mean, to put it uncharitably, making progression in the game take forever made it so you would subscribe for longer I don't, I choose to believe the more sort of virtuous design goals sure. of stuff like that. But. Oh, yeah. There there are lots of games that waste your time endlessly that you don't have a subscription for. You just pay for them once. <laughs> but some of the wasting your time is so that the concept of rarity of stuff is actually meaningful. Yeah. Because you, you need meaningful rarity to have a workable player you economy. you enjoy things more the more you're invested in them yeah. that makes sense um but i don't mind the parts of it that are like eh, i just gotta fight 
enough of these guys to get through here, right? There's never, you are never really told kill 10 of a thing, right? Like that's just, they've gotten rid of all of the content that's like that, but it's still an MMO. So like, if you're going to get into a building, you got to like, you probably can't avoid aggroing some of the groups of monsters that are around it. So then you fight them and it's like, and the fights are, I'm still just like fucking dudes up with a lightsaber and it still feels pretty good, but it's like, well, you know, this feels less good the second eight hours of play than it did the first eight hours of play. Um, but I want to know what's happening with the stuff that I'm investigating and doing, and I want to see the new places and I want to, you know, meet the new characters and help them with their errands, all of which involve recovering like just different planet destroying super weapons. Like, why did you build so many of these? If they were all like, the the one of the first cutscenes is like holy shit the empire just stole all of our planet destroying super weapons <laughs> that we all were you were keeping all of them in one place um and jeff forgot to lock the door <laughs> and darth darth jeff uh, came in <laughs> and stole stole all the plans um darth bad <clears throat> uh but i like I understand why I'm playing The Old Republic, even though it's a weird, grindy MMO. Astroneer is not that, but I don't understand why I'm playing it. Like, it feels... Playing Astroneer feels more compulsive than playing The Old Republic does. Well, are you still finding new interactions, like new things to do? I'm, New kinds of things to do. Everyone, you know, like in every play session, I earn enough research points to build a new thing and then I build it and I see what that allows me to do. You know, I mean, like right before I quit playing this time, I built a rocket and I'm like, hmm, I bet that rocket will take me to another planet. But then I don't know, maybe I'll be stuck there and die because there's no air. I don't know. I have no idea. That would and nothing be, is telling me what I'm supposed to do. That would be something that's new and exciting. Like, it would be new and exciting. Yeah. I, I feel like... got ruined. Yeah. <laughs> then you would be free of that game. It's true. Um, I, I'm actually really into the uh, ethos of game design where, like, you're placed in some sort of interaction space and you just kind of poke at it till you find the interesting parts. Mm-hmm. And... But, like, it just... it it. And it never tells you what to do, but it keeps, like, enticing you with new interesting interactions until you either figure out what the system is leading towards or you get bored, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're you're getting bored. Maybe I am. Yeah. Maybe I am. Well, should we talk about the assignment, art school? I suppose. Sure. I enjoyed it, but I don't have a ton to say about it. It feels yeah. like a jam game. Yeah, uh-huh. it's definitely uh, I, I, not not. I feel it, like it's this kind is... of thin. It's cute, and and I like the presentation and style of it. But this is like a not a genre, but a trope in like indie art games that they will pre- present you with a a weird presentation. And then it will just be what it seems like from there on. Like, there's no pacing of the weirdness. Hmm. Like, this game, you you start it up, and there's, like, a cutscene at the beginning, 
and then you're thrown into this world. And the first, the first thing you have to do, which I thought was neat, was you have to figure out that like it's not just a background, and then what you're drawing. You actually can move your dude around with with WASD. I didn't realize that for like two minutes. Um, but then once you've done that, like you're just you know exactly what the game is going to be. Like it doesn't matter how off kilter the art is if the game itself is the same thing over and over again and it's there's what 50 things that it tells you to draw and i think maybe they're randomized or well i don't know if they're randomized or not like at no point did it ever really tell me to draw anything in the world no yeah and at it, no point it definitely was i seems going random. to spend a bunch of time on that like, right if there were any like i don't i'm i'm relatively convinced that there is no actual like art judging oh, algorithm yeah. in there. No, um, yeah, and if totally random. there were some sort of evidence that there were, I think that would have been interesting. It does. Yeah. It does check I mean, to make sure that you've drawn a thing. Like if, if you give yeah. it, if you turn in a blank page or like that, you just paint bucketed a single color across, uh, it will, it will tell you to go back and actually draw something. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. I had fun wandering around the environments, collecting the tools and the colors. It's the, the fact that it seems like the way that they have like a door make it so you're turning in your art assignment is but like touching a door just kills you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. when you die, it's as though you decided to turn in your, your painting. <laughs> right. Um, and there does and there's a lot of the like most of the islands don't have any other way to to get to any of the other islands so you have to just right. either turn in your assignment or jump off the island and hope that you land somewhere that you haven't been before that's that's they should probably right. put in some bridges or something Yeah I mean I don't regret buying or playing this but I don't have a ton to say about it No I, yeah like there was no way I was going to spend a bunch of time making paint program art in this thing using f the four colors that I had unlocked, which were not very good colors. Maybe it's, they're good colors. I don't it know. saves all your all your pictures as like gifs in a in a directory that it'll point you to, which is kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. I saw those and I still didn't really care. <laughs> also, so many of them were just blank because I just wanted to go to a different island without turning in the assignment. So I just saw the transition where they said, you, you need to try harder, make some more art. Uh, so we decided that for uh, next uh, show, our assignment is Tetris 99, uh, the recently released, like as of like today, uh, Battle Royale 99 player Tetris game for the Nintendo Switch. And I think generally we'll just talk about Tetris and our experiences with and feelings about Tetris. And the effects that. that it's had on our lives. I am looking forward to it. Uh, we can talk offline about rescheduling the recording if that's something that we want to do, or we could just do it without Kevin if that's what Kevin wants. But Kevin, we miss you. I miss being there too. It's uh, there's I mean, this Riff weird... doesn't miss you any more than he normally does. It doesn't make any difference to him. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, the dichotomy between like wanting to be comfortable in in the places the sort of the life that you've built up and then the uh desire to like see new interesting things in the world um is frustrating i, I want all of my comforts and all of my uh, ability to go out and explore 
I don't know if I've time. talked about this on the podcast before, but I um in my twenties I I felt like, you know, life is life was accelerating and like this was just a result of me getting older and each year is a is a smaller percentage of my life than the year before. And it would just keep happening and eventually like the last thirty years of my life would basically be the blink of an eye. Mm. Um and then I was laid off from my job and I'd went on embarked on this weird indie dev career that was very like chaotic and unpredictable and I didn't know how I was going to make rent next month and I didn't know what I was going to be doing from one day to the next in terms of work and that 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 effect of acceleration just went away like I mm-hmm. I felt like I was like kicked out of that rut I felt like like no I'm actually like living each day again now um and one of the reasons that, that like I was so happy to have a a kid like one of many reasons is that that's basically a guarantee that the next 20 years of my life no matter what like I could I could get a regular office job for example which I feel like is inevitable um and um my the next 20 years of my life would still be a chaotic adventure because raising a kid is that. Um, Kevin, I, have you considered splitting the difference by like live, like getting a really nice airplane to live in that was full of all your creature ooh. comforts, and then traveling around in the airplane, but just <laughs> I sleeping like that in idea at night? A you know, lot. It's like also oh, a yeah, yeah, a mobile base like the uh, was it the the Oculus or, or whatever it is? Have and... an airplane. Are you gonna have live in an airplane that's on the ground, but have a child in it, <laughs> and you never actually go anywhere, but you've got all your comforts and a child? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. The, sure. So I guess if you wanted something that was worse but more expensive than a house, <laughs> you could live in an airplane. <laughs> Do you think you'd be able to get an Uber to come to your airplane, like on a tarmac or well, a McAdam? I don't know what you. <laughs> If, you I mean, just... if you were like parked on, parked on like Main Street in a small town, yeah. then I, you might be able to get like a taxi to come to your plane. I bet a small enough town where you could park an airplane on Main Street without Im- immediately having the cops make you leave would not have Uber. Probably true. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's a sweet spot. <laughs> there's an X on that graph. <laughs> I'm gonna put Tarmac McAdam on our list around. of NPC names. Yeah. But, I mean, doesn't Tarmac stand for Tarmacadam? Maybe. <laughs> it's anyway, I'm a, I'm a Tarmacadam. I'm a big proponent of leaving your comfort zones as, like, a, as a... A way of extending the perceived length as, of your yeah, life. Yeah, as a way of effectively, like, improving your quality of life in that respect. Yeah. That that makes sense. I used to travel a, a whole bunch more. It's just been so long that it's it's hard getting back into that sort of frame of mind. Well, the the other way you can you can have your life be really chaotic is just by doing heroin, putting uh, 120 hours a, a week uh, <laughs> into releasing DLC for sure uh, the game you made. Yeah, that's true. I bet that week seemed to last a long fucking time. <laughs> it went by real fast, actually. I felt like it felt like there was not mm. enough time to get stuff done. So I don't know. Well, maybe uh, maybe I need to rethink my hypothesis then. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a week 
to rethink your hypothesis. Okay. And then it'll be I time for gym class. Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 361 of Video Games Hot Talk with you, and I hope we do another one real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you do, I hope it seems like a really long time has passed in between then and now. <laughs> wow, I hope it seems like a regular amount of time has passed. <laughs> you don't want our listeners to have adventures and live a long time? Uh, why don't you decide, listeners, and write in, and uh, we'll read your emails next uh, next episode. Kakaboo-boo-balaya. Good night. Good night. Have a great week, everybody.